It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. With the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It is time for another edition of Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please do that wherever you get your audio. Just look for Silver and Black today. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, hello and thank you for joining us there. Hit the subscription and the notifications bell so that uh, we can be with you. And I say we as I bring in my partner in crime here, and that, of course, is Mr. Mo Moten. He's a national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. Yes, you can catch him there. Also, his Raider-specific content you can get sometimes on Bleacher Report, but also up on SportsNot.com where you can catch him once a week. And we're going to talk about his latest column in the third, or excuse me, in the second segment today as we get into that. But Mo, um, we're getting to that time of the year where a lot of us who talk about football, whether it be podcasts, write about it, whatever, if you're not doing kind of hardcore stuff like you do, which is focused on acquisitions, free agents, trades, kind of what you can you do post-June 1st, all that stuff, <clears throat> it's kind of left to what we've seen with Raider news. And that, of course, is the continuing saga of the Jimmy G addendum. Now, we talked about it on Monday, and we're not going to rehash that, okay, because we already talked about it. We're there. But what it has brought forth is something that's driving me nuts, Mo. I don't know about you, but the Tom Brady nonsense Tom Brady, you know, soon to be part owner of the Raiders. Now it's, you know, a lot of the media, including national media, including some guys I really respect talking. Does Tom Brady come back now? If they, if Jimmy G can't do it again, if, 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 if I'm going to let you start this one before I go off a little bit, but what is your point? Like, what is your thought process when you see this kind of Jimmy G story, which we talked about for one segment in one show. And I think that was what it deserved. Now we're in wait-and-see mode to see if the guy gets healthy. But other than that, what do you make of this Tom Brady situation? I guess I'm not fatigued as much as you are to it, simply because I've kind of tuned out the media over the past <laughs> uh, few days. When it comes to the quarterback position, as I've said before in previous shows, you get to see how little of the of the national media that – of the Raiders that the national media follows. So what I mean by that is I'm a national writer on Bleacher Reports, but I cover the Raiders day to day. And when I read some of these pieces on the Raiders, I can tell a lot of these writers, I won't call out any names, <laughs> have not watched or followed the Raiders in years. So yeah. there, this is something to talk about, the whole Tom Brady stuff. And I, I'm just not there yet to even discuss it in depth until we know what the status is about Jimmy G. If Jimmy G has a setback or if he's not there at training camp, as I said in the previous show, then I'm open to, you know, going in depth about, okay, what does this mean? Could Tom Brady 
be on the field week one because Jimmy Garoppolo isn't ready. But until that time comes, then I'm, I'm not diving into the Tom Brady conversation. Well, so, so, well, then I'll make you because here we go. Um, so the Tom Brady, so here's the thing with the Tom Brady situation. I understand the thought like, okay, so we see the Jimmy G addendum thing. People worried whether or not he'll play. We were worried before the addendum, before there was an injury that needed requirement to be fixed. Uh, the second metatarsal again. I just like saying, mm -hmm. like saying second metatarsal. Metatarsal. See? Vocabulary. Um, second. But I, I could tell I get the thought like minus. Oh, wouldn't that be crazy? And then it goes away and then I'm done with it. Right. But it has survived because Rich Eisen's talked about it. Uh, Mike Florio, who really made the biggest deal. And I'm naming names not to criticize, just just stating facts. Mike Florio was the one who went hog wild on the Jimmy G addendum, along with some other people. And then he has brought up the Tom Brady thing and has been doing interviews about Tom Brady. Now, two things. One is I want to I want to lay out lay this out for you, Mo. Tom Brady, I'm going to make the bet right now with, with the listeners out there, and they can decide what my punishment is. Tom Brady will not play for the Raiders ever, ever, <laughs> ever, okay? He's going to become an owner, and we know now that if you're an owner in the league and you want to play for your team, yes, they actually have a stipulation for that. You have to get the entire league to vote yes on it. Mm -hmm. So do you think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to vote yes? No. Do you think the Denver Broncos would vote yes? No. Do you think the Los Angeles Chargers and their crappy owner would vote yes? No. They would not. But that's not my mainest point. That's, that's a long shot. He could delay his ownership stake. He could technically do that. But here's what I think people forget about. Yes, Tom Brady is an amazing athlete. People either love him or they love to hate him. There's no in-between. Okay. But he's also a human being. He's a father. You saw last year have his worst statistical year. A lot of people want to blame that on age. I blame it on his family situation. He got divorced. He's got kids involved. It's a rough situation. Any of you out there who've gone through divorce, I have not. But I have plenty of close friends who have. And I've seen the pain, the anguish, the uncertainty. And when it's involving children, it requires a lot of your time. This is why I don't think Tom Brady will play football again, because being a part owner and flying to Vegas on a Saturday to see the game Sunday so you can be back in Miami with your kids on Monday, different story than playing in the NFL. So I think people are forgetting that, and I think that's why Tom Brady will not be back. I do not see it. It makes sense to jump to the conclusion for 30 seconds, but Mo, I just think it's complete folly, and, and the league would love Tom Brady back because it's a great story. just ain't going to happen. Here's where I am with it. I mean, I don't think Tom Brady's going to come out of retirement twice, is he? Because he's already pulled this already. <laughs> he's not he's a, already, he's not a boxer. You know, he's already pulled this come out of retirement to play thing. And I just think this time he went out on his own terms versus Adam Schefter breaking the story by his retirement. This time he kind of, again, said it, announced it himself. So I think he's fine being retired. There was some speculation that he would, before he took part or wanted to take part ownership in the in the Raiders or it was in the process. There was some speculation that, you know, could he play for the Dolphins if Tua Tunga Vailoa goes down because there was some hanky panky going on. The Dolphins got penalized for it. They lost a the first round draft pick because yeah. they were fiddling around with Tom Brady and Sean Payton, by the way. Uh and there was some speculation that he could could he be, you know, plan B, emergency plan B. And Tom Brady kind of shut down those rumors. I don't know his exact words. But he he had one of his funny social media tweets, and and basically he said, "Look, 
I, I'm I'm fine being retired. And I think that will hold even if he is, you know, even if this goes through, he is part owner of the Raiders. And and, and again, the league can vote. I think it need, he he would need three fourths of the of the vote. To, I thought it's four. Uh, uh, I th- I I read on a TMZ piece <laughs> that it only needs to be three fourths. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Are you are you citing TMZ? Hey, that's who that's that's who broke the story. I'm just kidding. That's just where we're at in society. I'm just I'm just claiming that. I'm not I'm not I, begrudging you. I'm just saying. Look, TMZ, they you know they're accurate a lot. They're accurate a lot. Yes. People don't want to give them credit for it. But uh, I read on TMZ because that's what popped up on my phone that it the league, <laughs> he would need three fourths of the vote in order for him to to play. And oh, okay. like I said, it's it's just it's so much has to happen for even to get to that point. Yes. I, I'm just so not ready for that conversation until right. we find out what, what happens with Jimmy. G. And not only that, Mo, but if I'm a Raiders fan, if I'm one of the card carrying members of Raider nation, yes, I'm going to worry about if Jimmy G can't play who the hell the quarterback's going to be. It's a legitimate question. We talked about it last show, but you got to look at who's available, who hasn't retired. Okay. Don't focus on Tom Brady. It ain't going to happen. A lot of fans, I've seen the the kind of what if he comes out of retirement and the Raiders win the Super Bowl in Las Vegas? Um, no. So so I just think that, yes, it would be a great story. If the Raiders were on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl and this stuff happened, I could, I could honestly consider it maybe that could happen. But the way this Raiders team is and the fact that so many of the fans out there think they're going to win three or four games and then in the minute that they talk about Tom Brady, they're going to win the Super Bowl, it just shows how it's not realistic. Well, excuse me, Scott, as someone revs up my motorbike in the background. But um, (laughs) I I just – look, it it would be a great story, no doubt. Tom Brady comes out of retirement, wins a Super Bowl with the team that – he kind of screwed over with the tuck rule and it's kind of like mm. comes everything comes full circle and he kind right. of exercises those demons and does right by the Raiders by delivering a Super Bowl in their stadium at Allegiant Stadium. It's a great story. Yep. But the sure? chances of that happening, even if Tom Brady were to suit up, right? Let's say Tom Brady does suit up for the Raiders whenever, right? It's approved. He's on the field. He's back wearing number 12 again, right? Could Tom Brady lead this Raider team to a Super Bowl with the way the defense is constructed no. right now? Now, the no. offense could be pretty good, but with the way the defense is right now, Tom Brady, even the great Tom Brady, but at his age now, he'll be, I believe, 46 by the yes. time the season starts. What a young 46 year old Tom Brady is not leading this Raider roster to a Super Bowl with the way the defense is right now. Remember, when he was with Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay had a top 10 scoring and total yards and defensive <laughs> squad. Uh, when he was in New England, frequently had a top 10 scoring and total yards defensive squad. He does not have that with the Raiders. And that's similar to my point about Jimmy Garoppolo coming from San Francisco to Las Vegas. Is Jimmy G is not going to have the same winning success he had in Las Vegas because he's not coming along with that defense. He's not yeah. coming along with Fred Warner and Nick Bosa and Eric right. Armstead and all those guys. This Raider defense right. needs a lot of work. And we're going to talk about it soon, but I... You know, I have some ideas to fix it up. But Tom Brady, as it's constructed right now, is not going to lead this Raider team to a Super Bowl the way it is. No, not unless he can somehow morph magically into a dominating linebacker. Or safety. (laughs) Or safety. So, yes, I agree with you 100%. So, that's it. I just want to address it, though, because I just think that not only the reason that it wouldn't make that much of a difference, but also the fact that the guy's got a life. The ownership thing fits him better. He can still be involved in the game. But he's got to tend to his kids. The divorce is new, and they're on the other coast. 
And so you got to figure that, you know, he's got to have time for that. And so people forget about that because they think about him as just a football player. He, he's going to be 46. He'll be coming along maybe without a full off season. Mm-hmm. So he's got to shake off the rust. He's got to get back in the gear. <laughs> he's got to get to know new teammates. I know Devontae Adams is great, but he has to get to know Jacoby Myers and Trey Tucker and Hunter Renfro is he, if he's there. Yeah. Michael Mayer and, and Austin Hooper and all these guys, you're asking a 46-year-old man to come out of retirement for a storybook ending. It's just, look, it sounds great for a movie, but in reality, <laughs> <laughs> the chances of that happening, yes. probably one in a million. Moe's yeah. going to write his first screenplay, Tom Brady, the sequel Tom to Brady. the other movie, which I didn't watch, which looked terrible. But anyway... <laughs> That's it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our first segment, folks, here on the Thursday edition of Silver and Black today. When we come back, Mo and I are going to get into his latest column up on sportsnot.com. So if you want to read it before you listen to the next segment, feel free. If not, he'll fill you in. But we're going to look at post-June trades that could help the Raiders, linebacker safety, offensive line. You could think about it any way you want. There's a lot to do there. And Mo uh, drafted a great piece on that. So we're going to get into that when we come back. You are listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. It is segment number two here on this edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast available to subscribe, by the way, anywhere you get your audio. Just search Silver and Black Today. We love the free Odyssey app, by the way. If you get the Odyssey app, you can not only listen to our show, listen to all the other NFL podcasts that we offer here, you know, the ones behind us in the ratings. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, All good (laughs) folks. Uh, and we we do we work together. We're all one big team, so it's all good. I just joke around like that. But anyway, you can find it there on the Odyssey app. You can find it on Apple. We appreciate the iTunes five star ratings when you get there, and uh, wherever you get your audio to, including the Amazon Alexa. That's what that's what I like to do is run around the house and yell it, and it just pops up. So anyway, you can get it there. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for the subscription and hitting the notifications bell and watching the show. Okay, Mo, uh, your work this week. You put out a piece on Sports Not about three trade options for the Raiders post-June 1st. Plenty of needs here for the team. And so when you did this piece, first of all, walk through your list uh, and tell people kind of going into writing this, what was your premise? Were you focusing on specific positions or were you looking at just maybe the best available players available via trade? What was your kind of criteria as you wrote the piece? So first I'm going to say I'm going to start off Sound like a broken record, but the Raiders need help at every level of their defense, all three <laughs> levels. Defensive line, linebacker, secondary, right? So we understand that. 
Now, what I did do, which took some time, was I just looked through the league and just kind of who could be on the outs with their football team and is a decent football player. Not someone who's washed up in 35 and near close to retirement. Not someone who's not quite developed yet and can't wouldn't be able to hold up in a starting role yet. But guys who are either in their prime, entering their prime, or maybe on the back end of their prime, but still in their prime years where they can produce at a high level. And looking through the rosters, there are plenty of guys out there who have these bloated contracts. And usually what happens is a guy gets cut and people are surprised. Oh my God, how could you, you know, how could they cut such and such? This happened with mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, a week ago. Arizona Carlos cut De- DeAndre Hopkins. A lot of people thought that he would be traded. His contract made it difficult for that team to move on because they, they didn't want to eat part of his contract or hold part of his contract in 2024. They wanted to basically move on. So when you have a player, even a good player on a bloated contract, sometimes you have to part ways via trade. And if teams aren't willing to take that contract, then you just have to release them outright. So I looked at a lot of guys who were in that category and I called them trade candidates. And do they fit with the Raiders? That was the other thing. It's not just a good player. Okay, good player. Plug him in. He has to be able to fit what the Raiders are doing. Yeah, let's start with the first player, Mo, because this addresses, remember, Phil Robinson, Phil with one L, Robinson the third, was on the last show, and he talked about this position. You and I have talked about this position now for a year and a half. Uh, linebacker, and that happens to be the guy that no one else in this country that covers the NFL has beaten the drum more for this guy to be a Raider than you. And that, of course, <laughs> is the Baltimore Ravens linebacker, Patrick Queen. Talk about him, the fit there, and the fact of why he's expendable in Baltimore. The fit is, is to me, is, is fine. Let's just remember the Raiders hired the former defensive line coach in Baltimore. Yep. Now, I know that's a different position group. I know defensive line, linebacker, different. But they they work in coordination with each other. He's familiar with Patrick Queen. So I think if he comes over and Patrick Queen is able to come over, I think it could, it could work, especially with the Raiders just basically needing someone who can cover the middle of the field. Patrick Queen can do that. I know he had two rough years to start out. But last year, he really he really came along. I, I would say he was one of the most improved players across the league because of his production. Over 100 tackles. I believe he had five sacks, so you can use him on blitz because he has the speed to do that. If you remember him at his combine, he was one of the most athletic linebackers that hit mm-hmm. in his combine class. And I think the Raiders, that's what the Raiders are missing, is an athletic linebacker who can stand the field all three downs and, and, and cover the pass. And I think he can do that. He could also help out in the run, as I just said also be a supplement to the pass rush so he could do it all and i think with his contract being under four million the raiders wouldn't have to spend much to acquire him they wouldn't have to let go of a guy they wouldn't have to do much to absorb his contract he's on the cheap he's not asking for a new deal yet now if he has a pretty good 2023 then he'll probably ask for a raise but for right now the raiders can get him on the cheap and why could he be out in baltimore simply because the raiders the ravens (laughs) excuse me, drafted Trenton Simpson in the third round. They paid Roquan Smith a five-year, $100 million extension, so they're not going to pay big money for two linebackers. The 49ers are the only team in the NFL that are paying two linebackers over $8 million. Incredible. So you would understand that if if they're looking long-term, I'm talking about the Ravens, they're saying Roquan Smith is obviously our guy. Trenton Smith is eventually going to be our guy next to Roquan, and this is why Patrick Queen is on the way out probably. And, and again, I support you in that one 100%. And you talked about it, 
the need at every level of the defense. And don't want to be too much of a spoiler, but that's what your piece does. It goes through every level of the defense. Mm -hmm. We talked about linebacker first, but the next player plays up front and happens to be one of Raider Nation's favorite non-Raiders for a good reason. Tell everybody who that is. Leonard Williams. Uh, <laughs> let's go back me- to memory lane for a quick minute. I remember covering the Reds in 2015. It was a big draft year. The Reds had the fourth overall pick. And the big discussion was, is it Amari Cooper or yeah. is it Leonard Williams? And some people even wanted Kevin White. Now, we know Kevin White had some injury issues. His career didn't really pan out well. But I would say looking back, the Reds made the right decision. Amari Cooper became a multi-time pro bowler mm-hmm. and had some pretty good years with the Rays before it fell apart and Gruden traded him off to the Dallas Cowboys. But back to Leonard Williams, he grew up a Raider fan. He said he loves the codes, loves the tradition. When he uh, spoke before, I believe it was at the Combine in the 2015, combine, yeah. he, and he said he would you know, he would love to play for the Rays. He, he said he wants to go number one overall, but if he slips to the Raiders, he'd be fine with that. Of course, as I just said, uh, the Raiders passed on him for Cooper and he went to the Jets. So he's been in my backyard for his whole career. He played for the Jets, and then he got moved to the Giants. So I've watched a lot of Leonard Williams. So if anyone <laughs> knows how Leonard Williams can impact the defensive line, it's me. He still has it in, against the run. He had a peak year under Patrick Graham in 2020. We had 11 and a half sacks and 42 pressures. Yeah, Got a big contract after that. Now his, his production tapered off a little bit, but the Giants defense as a whole struggled in 2021. He still had a solid year. Yeah. And then last year he had knee and a neck injury, which derailed him for about, cost him about five games. So before people say, oh, he's injury prone now, let's remember, he's not 30 yet. He's going to be 29 in June. Still young. And before last year, he only missed one football game. Before yeah. last year getting hurt, he only missed one game. So let's not tag him as an injury prone player. Let's, yeah. I, I think he's still in his prime, and he can still contribute in a big way. And the other point to make there, Mose, to your point about the injuries kind of not being necessarily systemic of an injury issue, instead just kind of happening, uh, you don't know what the price will be. If the price, you know, the price might not be that high. It might be high. It might not, depending on, on what the Giants think they can get. So I would have no problem with the Raiders if it's if it's some draft compensation down the line to get him, or even a player, a second tier player, and a draft compensation to get him over. I'll take that risk any day. And that leads to my point about why he could be out with the Giants. His contract, he his cap number in 2023 is $32.3 million. Now, the Giants are probably not going to keep him at that cap number. If the Rays were to acquire him, they're not going to keep him at that cap number. He understands he's going to have to restructure his deal. He's restructured his deal each yep. of the last two years already. Yeah. So he understands he's due for another restructuring of his contract. So whether he stays with the Giants or goes to another team, He's probably going to be on board with that. And why would he not want to be on board with a guy he played his best football under in Patrick Graham? So I think him coming over to the Raiders, him having that growing up and wanting to play for the Raiders, it just adds that extra feel to it. But of course, it's all about the production of the field. And he's one of those guys that can stay on the field for about 60 to 65 percent of the snaps in Patrick Graham's multiple system. Yes. Now, Mo, the other side of this, or I should say the one area of the defense we haven't addressed yet from your piece is the back end of the defense. And this one was an interesting one. I had not thought about him. So when I read your piece, I was like, oh, look at Mo. Look at him. Midtown Mo pulling one out of the back pocket. Kevin Bayard, a safety for the Titans. We know the Raiders need safety help. I know a lot of fans love Trayvon Morg from two years ago. He regressed significantly last year, and, and there's uncertainty on whether or not he's going to be able to recover. 
uh, different type of safety. But you look at Bayard, talk about why he's a good fit in that Graham system and his kind of the short the short story of his career and why he might be expendable out in Nashville. I remember Kevin Bart coming out of Middle Tennessee, and uh, Deion Sanders didn't know who Kevin Bart was. And at the time, <laughs> Kevin Bart, I believe, had one of his best seasons, and he didn't know who Bart was. And, and people had to tell him, like, look, he's one of the best safeties in the league right now. I know he's a third-round pick. But he he blossomed into one of the top ball hawks in the league. Over the last two years, Bart has had nine interceptions. In comparison, the Raiders have had 12 in the past two seasons. <laughs> so he's had three quarters of what the Raiders have had in interceptions since 2021. So that tells you what automatically he brings to the back end of that defense. The Raiders have struggled to force turnovers and get takeaways. He can automatically do that. Two-time All-Pro, two-time Pro Bowler. Maybe on the outs in Tennessee because the Tennessee Titans, they have a new GM in Rand Carthon who comes over from San Francisco, approaching about taking a pay cut. He refused to take a pay cut. So now the Titans, mm. the ball's in their court. Do they want to keep him at that cap number, which is, I believe, a little over $19 million, Or do they trade him? I don't think they're going to cut a two-time All-Pro player. Somebody's going to want to step up and, and, and take advantage and get him in their, in their defense. But I think the Raiders should be interested. The thing is, with that cap number that Kevin Byron has, he doesn't want to take a pay cut. Maybe you can restructure him and move things around so that he gets his money and you have your cap space. But he's yeah. not taking a pay cut. So the Rays are going to have to give up a player probably to get him. And I offered up Hunter Renfro because Hunter Renfro's cap number is about a little over $13 million. The Rays could save right. $11.3 million if they trade him after June 1. And let's <laughs> remember, Hunter Renfro's role is going to be diluted. No matter what you say, I love, you know, you can love Hunter Renfro and think he's a great player and a fan favorite. His role is going to be diminished in the upcoming season. Yeah. They drafted a slot receiver. They signed a couple of slot receivers, one of whom Jacoby Myers is, is going to make three years and $33 million on his contract, $11 million a year. He's going to have a big role. So why would you pay Hunter Renfro on that big salary, that extension you gave him when you're going to diminish his role, when you can flip him for an all, a two-time All-Pro safety, a big need. A who's big gonna, need. which is a big need, and he's going to be on the field for 95 99% of the snaps. I think it's a good trade for the Rays. They're probably going to have to add a draft pick in there. Because again, you you are talking about an, a two-time All-Pro in his prime, right? Versus a, a wide receiver coming off his worst injury-riddled season. But in one fell swoop, and this is why I was so impressed with you pulling that name out of your back pocket with Bayard, is you solve that you solve that issue. You know, God willing, he doesn't get injured or something. Knock on wood, you solve that issue for years to come, so you don't have to deal with it anymore. And like right. you said, you're pretty much swapping out contracts. Uh, and, and if he plays well, you might even give him a new one, um, and extend the money there in future years. So you have cap space as well. I mean, that, that makes all the sense in the world. And if you're a Titans fan, you know, I solved two problems for you. You know, if your GM doesn't want to pay Kevin Byer, the Rays will take him off mm -hmm. your hands. The other thing is the Titans have a big need at wide receiver. They never recover from the AJ Brown trade. They don't have mm -hmm. one receiver. They don't have one pass catcher on their roster who has 50 catches or 500 yards in the season. Hunter Renfro passed those numbers as a rookie. As a rookie, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he would automatically be their best wide receiver. So I, I could see why the Titans would be interested in a Hunter Renfro, especially mm -hmm. with Ryan Tannehill on shaky ground. He's going to want wide receivers there in Tennessee this year. So Hunter Renfro can help him out. Yes. We'll, uh, we'll, have, we'll send our friend Murph from Raiders Fan Radio, who's down yeah. there in Nashville. We'll send him over yeah. to take care of that. So there you go. All right. So that's awesome that you answered the Renfro question as well. We'll have to see how it all pans out as we – uh, hit June 1st today. So we got one more day until this stuff could start going down the post June 1st trades. 
uh, and what we see between now and camp. All right, we're going to cut out for our last break here on Silver and Black today, the Thursday edition. When we come back, Chucky's back. Yes, John Gruden. We're going to talk about kind of the return of John Gruden, and he went to see an old friend and to help an old friend. We'll talk about that when Mo and I come back here on Silver and Black today. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Home stretch here on Silver and Black today, our Thursday edition here on the 1st of June. Yes, into the sixth month already of 2023. And Mo, mm-hmm. first of all, make sure you follow Mo on Twitter, M O E M O T O N. He is the national. NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. You can also follow me, LV Gully, on Twitter. The show is SNB Today. And don't forget, subscribe, hit the auto download for the show. Mo, he's back. Chucky returns. This week, down in Nolens, John Gruden went to Saints Camp, OTAs, and spent hours with the team and a certain quarterback he used to coach, Derek Carr. Um, interesting and not interesting. Uh, the fact that a coach would tap into someone who knows the quarterback pretty well, which I'll get to in a minute, which is really kind of an interesting, uh, uh, dynamic, but nonetheless, with all the stuff that happened around John Gruden and the emails, the misogynistic racist, whatever you want to call them, whatever your belief is, that's what they were that cost him his job in Las Vegas. Uh, apparently he could come back into the, the saints camp and help them better understand their new quarterback. Now, Mo, what do you make of this overall as far as John Gruden, the Derek Carr connection, and the fact that the Saints brought him in? It's it's interesting, but also kind of strange to me, don't you think? I don't think it's strange at all. No? I mean, you, you hear stories about teams bringing in coaches of former players and, and former players all the time. I, I guess it's a big deal because it's John Gruden and how he – how he went out last year, as you mentioned, the emails right. that came that came to surface through that investigation of the Washington football team. But I'm not surprised about this. The, the Saints have a new quarterback in Derek Carr. They want to get the best out of him. Dennis Allen is not an offensive mind. He's a defensive mind. He has a defensive background. Pete Carmichael um, is running the offense, a variation of it from Sean Payton. Sean Payton and John Gruden worked together in the past. So there's, there's a connection there. There are some things that John Gruden can teach of uh, Carmichael that can help out Derek Carr and and kind of move the offense along and get him and kind of get him installed over the offseason. So this doesn't surprise me at all. Again, it's a, it's about the person who's involved because if it wasn't John Gruden, let's say it was I don't know um, Jim Caldwell, right? Yeah. If, yeah. Jim, if Jim Caldwell went to Saints camp to help out Derek Carr because he had a history with Derek Carr, would people make a big deal of it? Not really. I don't think so. But because it's John Gruden, such a big personality. You know, it becomes a big story. So yeah. there was some speculation in Raider Nation that John Gruden is just posturing to take Dennis Allen's job so he can coach Derek Carr and take the Saints possibly to the playoffs and maybe to the promised land. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know <laughs> that, that's the question, though. Will Gruden coach again? I've always said no. I just don't see it happening. Um, by the way, his takeout the situation with the, the emails from the Washington football team, we're calling them Washington football team again because their name is not their trademark. So they might be changing their name again. They should just go back to that name. But anyway, listen, he his stint in Las Vegas was brutal. 
Uh, when you look at the, the the player acquisition side of it, we've been dealing with that and talking about it on the show because of the holes the Raiders have on their offense because of their horrible drafts. Now, from a coaching perspective, perspective, from an offensive perspective, yes, Derek Carr has best year two years ago, all that stuff. So I get that piece of it. But overall, John Gruden was not successful overall in his comeback with the Raiders. Uh, not not including the ending, of course. So so that to me is why I don't think he'll ever coach again. The interesting thing, the biggest part of this story that fascinates me, Mo, is that during the Gruden years, including when he first got there, he trades away Cleo Mack, all that. All I heard from a lot of fans and actually a lot in the media was that John Gruden was trying everything he could possibly do to upgrade a quarterback and get rid of Derek Carr, Right. It turned out not to be true. It turns out that that relationship was so solid that it stopped owner Mark Davis from going out and getting Tom Brady, who we talked about in the first <laughs> segment, right? So that piece to me shows that all that assumption about John Gruden not liking Derek Carr and not liking him and them fighting on the sidelines and him rolling his eyes, and all that, it was all crap. And actually, John Gruden is a big believer in Derek Carr. Yeah, that was the funny thing to me. Not that it was shocking, but... You right. remember the offseason reports. Every offseason, it was Gruden is going to get rid of Derek Carr. Him and Derek Carr, they're not a match for each other. Gruden is too <laughs> hard shell for Derek Carr. Derek Carr wouldn't be able to take Gruden's coaching. And here they are, you know, still, still have some sort of connection together, and they're working together to help the yeah. Saints out. And like I said, I, I, I just wouldn't put it past John Gruden to step in for Dennis Allen. If Let's say the Saints have a slow start to the season. Not going well. The players want a new head coach because Dennis Allen is not an offensive mind. They want to get rid of Pete Carmichael. They want a head coach. Because remember, the Saints have a very solid front office. Mickey Loomis has been there for a while. So he's probably not giving up his general manager duties there, even if yeah. John Gruden would step in. he If he hires John, he could say, hey, John, look, we'll get rid of Dennis Allen. We could bring you in. You can reunite with Derek Carr. You guys can finish what you start in Las Vegas, but under one condition, Gruden. You are not allowed no, to send to emails. have any say in, in <laughs> roster personnel decisions. We got that. We draft yeah, well. Yeah. We've we yeah. brought in free agents that we have. We have a solid roster. You just need the coach. Right. Just call the place. Just call the offense. No roster personnel decisions. I think Gruden would take him up on that offer and it could work out. Well, I think if Gruden were to ever, and I, again, I, I don't think it'll happen. I think it's less than a 30% chance. <laughs> but But to your point, I think if I'm an organization who's thinking about it, but so let's mm -hmm. say the Saints were thinking, even bringing him back as an offensive coordinator or something, which I don't know mm -hmm. that he would do, but maybe he would no. do to pay his penance, so to speak. Uh, I would try to bring him in as a special advisor or something first to see, because, you know, in today's world, you got to contest the waters yeah. or you could really go the wrong way. Okay. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not advocating for him coming back. I'm just saying that's what it is. So that's what I would see the process printing out. But you're right extraordinary circumstances you go zero and five and you're not supposed to be that good you're the best in the division and you got to fire the coach then yeah you might turn to somebody as an interim or whatever so it'll be fascinating to watch i just thought i just thought the whole car gruden relationship moving next to each other that's where the 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 pro car folks out there who some who still listen some who don't because they left with car they were always say, oh, see, they live next to each other. You guys are crazy. You think they don't like each other. And they were right. I have to give them credit because they were right. These two got along so well and and they were thick as thieves. And so that to me is the biggest piece of the story to come out of 
Gruden visiting the Saints and helping them with Carr and understanding the offense. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, I look, the Saints, if you look at your schedule, they're going to have, they should have a pretty good start. If you look at their schedule, yes. they're playing some, some bottom-feeding teams. So I don't think they're going to have a, a bad start. But you, you have to understand, remember Dennis Allen's head coaching record. Raider fans remember who Dennis <laughs> Allen is because he was <laughs> the coach of the Raiders when Derek Carr was drafted the year he you know, was drafted in 2014. Yeah. And he was jettisoned, jettisoned almost right away. He didn't even finish the season. But Dennis Allen's head coaching record is not strong. So if there's some type of – if he's on shaky ground, I would just say watch out. <laughs> And then he becomes the coach of the Saints, and then Mark Davis trades McDaniels or a player to the Saints for John Gruden. My I'm just goodness. kidding. I'm just kidding. My goodness. This is where it'll go. It'll go there. Weirder. It the will story go would there. just get weirder and weirder. It would get weirder and weirder. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's going to do it for our show tonight. But first of all, we, we know they got to read your piece up on Sports Not. You also had your piece um, uh, on Bleacher Report. I mean, you had your live on Bleacher Report on last weekend. Tell us what's coming up for you this week so people can keep track. Coming up, I'm going to not wrap up OTAs for the Raiders, but I'm going to chat about what's going on at OTAs. Of course, we have, we're have we going to have boots on the ground soon at practices. We'll see yes. you know, what happens with that. But I'll just kind of wrap it up for the late spring, early summer. Uh, what is it? Tuesday, June. Not Tuesday. Actually, Thursday, June 8th. I'm going to have a BR live stream. I haven't decided what I'm going to put up on Sports Not next week, but it's going to be something that – a, a, a looking forward type of piece where we can look toward the summer and what to expect <laughs> instead of looking back. Cause as we've talked about in the show, there's not a lot that happens at OTAs or mandatory minicamp, unless there's an injury or right. some type of player um, getting, getting moved to the second unit or getting moved up into the first unit. There's not much to really talk about. It's a lot to look forward to. That's right. That's right. And you will also be off next week. So you won't be on the show next week. Well, I mean, Unless taking, something crazy happens. I'm taking, just for the people out there, I'm not sick. Because I know that the people are, <laughs> it's most sick again. No, it's just time off. Sick too much. But I, I actually have a week off at yeah. Bleacher Report. And so if, if I'm slow to answer my DMs at Mo Moton on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. If I'm slow to answer anything, it's probably because I'm on a, I'm on a sandy beach in, in flip-flops. Tossing around a beach ball, maybe playing, you know, volleyball on the sand, you know, having fun. Eating warm having, potato salad. Eating warm potato salad with some with some pink lemonade or something like that. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but I decided, you know, just to just to kind of step out of the limelight for a bit. Yes. Yes. Take some time. That's what you need to do. So we'll see Mo a week from Tuesday, but we'll be back here with you on Tuesday. Mo, enjoy the time away and just to your I should say, enjoy the time to yourself. Because you need that. Yes. Don't be surprised if I come back on the show with five kids and I'm married. Now I'm kidding. Oh this, my this goodness. This is a justice. Mo's got starting five. They're all in little Knicks jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. I could oh, see that. Man. Well, he's not going to be yeah. Midtown Mo next week. He's going to be somewhere else Mo, but that's okay. My friend, enjoy the time. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, want to first thank you all for being with us on this edition of Silver and Black today. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio and also on YouTube, hit the subscription and the notifications bell. Thanks to our producer, Mike. Also, Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson, your co-host. We will see you guys back here on Tuesday, Raider Nation. Thanks again and have a good rest of your week. Bye-bye now.